Welcome, curious minds, to another episode of Flying Chariots, The Rise and Expanding Reality. Yes, we're doing that collaboration thing again. Tonight, Brandon and I have a special treat for you guys. Our guest on the show is not only a great UFO researcher, book author and curious mind himself. No, Preston Dennett can talk about first-hand experiences when it comes to out-of-body experiences and all the things that are directly connected to it. And this is why we love this guy so much. So without further ado, let's jump right in and have a great time. And don't forget to leave a like, a nice comment and a subscription. Love and peace. Okay, Preston, to my great surprise, I found out just a few days ago that you were guest on Art Bell's show Midnight in the Desert. And that was awesome. That was awesome. This will be one of my favorite shows ever. Uh, wow. Back in 2015, if I remember right, and you talked about out-of-body experiences. Um, I have to admit <laughs> that I unfortunately came across Art Bell and the show very late, but I've uh, been fascinated by it ever since I found it, of course, because he, I'm sure he was a great guy and he was very knowledgeable and very curious. That's what I like. He was very curious. So I'm a bit jealous that you had the chance to talk to him back then, but it's all good. But inspired by that, I thought we could have a chat about OBEs and such uh, things because it's a fascinating topic. And you're very knowledgeable uh, uh, when it comes to this topic. So, yeah, first of all, tell me about Art Bell. <laughs> How did you come together? That's awesome. Yeah, well, of course, I'm a huge fan. He's the greatest, really. And this, his show was actually the most popular radio show in the world at one point. So, of course, I'm a huge fan and watched it regularly. And always kind of kept my fingers crossed that maybe one day I would get to be on his show. And for years and years and years, it didn't happen. But then one day he did call me, <laughs> knocked me over. I was so amazed and delighted, of course. And uh, I ended up doing about, well, exactly three shows with him. One on out-of-body experiences, one on USOs, and one on levitation. And yeah, oh, great guy, really professional, super nice, really funny, an absolute expert at what he does. Uh, I have huge respect for him. Um, it's very sad that he's no longer with us. I know he's watching us from above. One, one of these days, I'm going to go out of body and try and find him. <laughs> I will. It's on my list. But yeah, I love the guy. He's amazing. Yeah. He was a great guy, I'm sure. Brandon, have you watched uh, the show too or listened to the show? Oh, God, massive influence. Huge. That I mean, and that's what got me into Coast to Coast to begin with. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And that started all of this around a very crucial time in my life. So this was dovetail with a huge change that I was going through. And so all, the Art Bell, the, you know, Nori, of course, but... I mean, that early, the early days of Art Bell, man, that was beautiful. And so I would find like you guys just old recordings of it and listen to those. And it was just really cool. Yeah. I put a ton of his old shows in my MP3 player and listened to it at, at work. He has a very yeah. calming voice and a perfect voice for, for that kind of topic also. But talking about meeting Art Bell, 
uh, in an out-of-body experience. You've talked about that too, Preston, when you when you had the show with Art Bell. You've talked about uh, meeting lost ones, and I found that very interesting. But first of all, let's get into what what is an out-of-body experience. Please explain. Yeah, the out-of-body experience is basically, in a nutshell, the experience of, gosh, um, being separated from your physical body. Now, there are many ways of looking at this. Some people call it the dream body, the astral body, the desire body, the occult body. But according to many different cultures, this is in cultures all across the planet, we do have not only you know, an astral body, but multiple bodies, up to seven, you might even say. I don't want to complicate things right off the bat. But we have a physical body, an etheric body, an astral body, a mental body, a causal body, a buddhic body, and an atmic body, which are all basically one thing. But an out-of-body experience is when you have the sensation of leaving your physical body and appearing in an astral or dream body, which is different to say the least with with the astral body you can do all kinds of things you cannot do in the physical body you can fly you can walk through walls you can teleport to distant locations you can travel into the higher dimensions what we would call the heavenly realms and it doesn't age <laughs> So it's in many respects, it's the superior body. It's where we come from. It's our true body. In a weird way, astral projection is a misnomer because it sort of implies that we're leaving our true body and going elsewhere when in fact, that's our true home. That's where we come from. So being down in a physical body, we're projecting down into the third dimension from where we come from. So in a weird way, it's reversed. But yeah, the astral and out-of-body experience is just the experience of being separate from your physical body. You can see, you can taste, you can feel the wind, you can do all the things you can do in the physical body, but it's different. <laughs> There are definitely some really striking differences. Sounds beautiful, to be honest, being in a place like that. But... Where exactly am I? How does it feel being there? Is it a different layer from where I am right now? How, how can you explain that? Yeah, well, having done it a bunch and read every darn book I could find on this, I'm still not entirely sure <laughs> what's going on. But I can tell you, when you pop out of your body, usually you'll come out into what we still consider to be the third dimension. It's really not. It's actually sort of a fourth dimensional duplicate or reflection of the third dimension. It looks exactly the same. So yeah, you pop out and you're in your room and you can explore the physical world and it's just like the physical world. I mean, you can see it and you can verify that this is a real experience because you can go to a location while out of body that you haven't been to before and you'll see you know, after you visit there physically, like, oh, yeah, I really am out of body. I am there. But it's confusing because there are layers. 
And you can go just a couple of levels up, and it still looks very much like Earth. Sort of, you know, on the lower levels, it's very urban. It's very, you know, not so much nature. It's lots of buildings and streets, and I mean, it's hard to describe other than that. I mean, it's very much like Earth. But the higher you go, uh, the more beautiful it gets, the more it's composed of light, the more you see pastoral and natural scenes, trees and fields and flowers and streams. And I mean, it's absolutely stunningly beautiful when you get to where most of us will go when we pass on, which, you know, in Christian religion and other religions, it's the heavenly realms. I'm not really a religious guy, but I don't know how else to describe it because it is just like that. There are animals there, your pets, all your loved ones. The colors there are so amazing. I mean, you think you've seen the color red here on Earth, but you really haven't. <laughs> because there, how would I put it? It's like having a black and white television that's very much filled with static and moving to color with super high definition holographic technology. It's like going over the rainbow in The Wizard of Oz. It is strikingly more vivid, more real. It's more real than it is here. So colors and everything has got incredible depth and definition and life to it. So the higher you go, the more that sort of thing manifests. That makes any sense. Yeah. Um, how can I be sure? And I want to direct my question to Brandon too, because... I love the way he answers always. <laughs> How can I be sure that this is not a place that lures me in with all these beautiful things? And every time I'm there, it's taken something from me, like, let's say, energy or something like that. Like, maybe I'm not noticing it right now, but every time I'm going there, it's taken something from me. It's not really a beautiful place. Maybe a trap. All right. Um, it's, I mean, you can tell when you're there by just discernment, by the feeling of it. I would say Earth has got a lot more of that sort of worries to it. Uh, and the fact is, we all leave our bodies every night. This is nothing paranormal or supernatural. This is something each and every one of us do every single night. And most people recall it only in snippets through dreams, flying dreams, pre-lucid or lucid dreams. Uh, it's not a trap. It's a return to home. It is, uh, it's a natural human progression of spiritual evolution. At some point, everyone's going to be doing this. I'm absolutely convinced as you develop your own psychic abilities. Uh, you will have an out-of-body experience. And studies have shown most people have at least one in their life. So I think that we have a lot of fear here on this planet. There's a lot of ignorance. There's a lot of divisiveness, a lot of difficult things. Earth is a school where we come to learn individuality, uh, love and compassion, certainly, but also fear and loss and struggle and hardship so uh i 
I scoured the literature on this subject looking for any kind of dangers at all to astral projection, and I found really none. There are some people who talk about it but provide no examples, and I found the opposite. I found about 30 cases of people who have been physically healed um, of all kinds of illnesses, chronic illnesses, colds, flus, things like this, cuts, injuries but absolutely serious conditions. I mean, from cancer to liver disease to multiple sclerosis and more. It's a very, very healing thing. And when you have an out-of-body experience, and if you study the literature on near-death experiences, you'll see this. It's an incredibly healing event. Uh, and it wakes you up psychically. So if you start having out-of-body experiences, your awareness skyrockets you will start experiencing clairvoyance and telepathy and precognition and past life recall uh, i don't believe for one second this is dangerous it's as safe as sleeping i don't think there's any evidence whatsoever to say that this is any kind of a trap we are all going to have a permanent out-of-body experience at some point when we leave our body and pass on and it's to your benefit to Try it before, you know, you have your permanent OBE because it will give you a huge step up. Because when people die, if they have a whole adjustment period that they go through, I've seen it happen on the other side, They'll, especially people who are having issues like alcoholism or emotional issues. You basically go to a hospital and you have to recover or you end up in one of the lower realms and have to work your way up. So everything I've learned and experienced shows me that this is 100% to our benefit to do. Brandon, please. This place just gets more fascinating um, and more fascinating, especially the fact that Preston Dennett and I have not only spoken uh, via Zoom four or five times in the past month, but also uh, been in person, one-on-one. -on -one. And I got actually a stack of books here signed by him when I was at his home, uh, and it was amazing. So getting to be with Preston in energetic uh, proximity here, get to hug that man, get to be in his home um, and and experience him in, in the person, I know him as nothing is altruistic. Uh, the man is convivial, beautiful, and perfect in every way. He's one of my favorite researchers and authors, obviously, with a stack of books here. Um, and one of my favorite things about him is his perception. And what I've really figured out about this place is that's what this place is. It's your perception. Because Preston's having an amazing time, where I've spoken to other contactees that have not had an amazing time. Preston presents the information in such a way as it, it highlights what he finds to be in most resonant harmony with his relationship to the phenomenon. I find it beautiful. Other people also are doing the same in their, based on their perception. And again, perception, 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 right? So I find it fascinating when we talk about this. And the only real uh, glimpse into this world that I have is through psychedelics. It's been self-induced. It hasn't been an alien coming down or a paranormal event or some near-death experience or an out-of-body experience. I'm not a dreamer, as they would say. I'm a dreamer in this world. But I don't go to sleep, have dreams, wake up from them. And Preston, you and I have talked about this. But it's just fascinating to me to hear the interesting... Um, experiences that people of consciousness have had that I don't feel I'm experiencing for whatever reason. And maybe I'm limiting myself in this way or quotes so that I can really experience this from a very bare bones place, un 
inhibited or unaffected by anything outside. So I really have just this absolute subjectivity with this. But what I've noticed in that is the pervasive subjectivity within it. I think what's fascinating about this from this point of view, from my perception, is, is that all of us out here seem to be wearing these VR headsets where everybody is walking around explaining what they're seeing in their VR headset. But it's very different, if not just a slightly askew than what everybody else is seeing. Eyewitness cases in, in normal everyday things are the most unreliable in court cases because of that I can't see something and you can't see something and us both absolutely explain it perfectly together, though we were right there next to each other. So again, there's, a, there's an element of the witness, the observer, the subjectivity to this that colors the entire reality in which we're in. Now, maybe that's sort of a pre, pre, um, prescribed thing. You know, people talk about these contracts. I'm here to learn. I'm here to this. I'm, I feel motivated by the fact that this is a school and that I'm progressing in some way where I was not. And in that, maybe everybody has their own little lesson installed on their VR headset. And what this offers you is the opportunity to experience the phenomena the way Preston has and the stories that he's gravitated with it. Also, the way other people explain it as well. And they act sort of as these not either or simply options of experience in an unlimited place of playing, right? In this amazing place that we seem to find ourselves in that's completely up to you on how you experience it. But it seems that these external, uh, if you want to put it that way, curveballs sort of come in and color your experience. And, and again, from my perspective, everybody's having a different trip, man. You guys are all, everybody's got a different thing going on and it's all beautiful. It's when people start saying like, no, you're wrong because, or no, this is right because. That's where I see, again, from my perception, the, the challenges in those kind of experiences. So what I love about this, first and foremost, is just the opportunity to talk about this, guys. Secondly, um, is to kind of look at this in a way that Preston was explaining it about the layers. Excuse me, hang on. The layers when it comes to this place, sort of like this astral body, all of these things seem to be, again, through what I just said there about coloring your perception, this being your VR headset, sort of a way that you get to add additional levels to the game or additional insights that then color the entire consensus reality of this place, right? Add to the puzzle pieces. And so when looking at it this way, it seems like if you're able to astral project, you sort of turn off the filters of being limited by your physical body. You turn off the filters or the limitations or the algorithmic programming, if you want to say this is a simulation, whatever. You turn off the things that bind you to a body. Now, I don't feel that I've ever done that. And so it's not to say I can't and can't learn, whatever. But what I'm saying from that perspective is, is that it offers another experience that I am unattached to simply due to the lack of experience. But you've had it, Preston, which is fascinating. And other people have said that they've had it. What this feels like, and, and through, again, my own colored experience of my altered states has been psychedelics, is that when you go into a psychedelic world, yes, it feels like a different world, but what it could be is simply that a filter has been removed from you that is given to you in this place, this 3D reality, because we are so tuned down. And Preston, when you were talking about it, I picture a funnel, like that we're at the bottom of this funnel to where everything else is swirling up here. And it's, of course, it's obvious. It's duh. This is where the gases go in the solid realm down here where it's settled at the bottom. You're in a very limited area of what you can see, experience and all of those things. But up here, yes, duh. But the gases still sort of interact with the solids at the bottom and we don't know what the hell it is. People have different perceptions of this, though. So again, it feels like maybe what's happening is that sort of the filters that say you are stuck in this version of reality, meaning this 3D, if you want to call it that, are alterable, meaning like these monks that can like, like punch through a boulder, right? That's crazy to us. But it seems like just a, 
it's an alterable limitation that we all have. Same thing with this idea with the uh, the phenomena, whatever it is, because it's got so many facets to it, is that it's it colors your perception. So in any way, it, it's a fascinating study at just how you view this place and how it interacts with you determines how you view this place. It's this, you can't learn how to swim unless you get in the water, but you won't learn how, what the water is unless you learn how to swim. So it's this interesting, again, paradox here. And to sum it up, and then I'll stop. This idea of an energetic exchange. I've, I've thought a lot about this, talked a lot about this, and this being sort of a scary thing for anyone involved in the idea that something is gaining from you paying attention to it. Let's just put it that way. So if something gains from you paying attention to it, it's sort of this top-down model of the as above, so below, right? So everything here needs to consume energy to continue to thrive and, and to create and to live and to all of those things, right? Plants need to consume what they consume. We consume plants, right? And the animals that consume plants, blah, blah, blah. So to say that we're excluded from that in a way um, is silly. Uh, if we look at everything else around here, right? Even us as a, a model for our lives in a scope, when we die, we feed the trees, you know, we, we breathe out, the trees breathe in. So maybe the trees are just keeping us alive to keep them alive, right? And so in this energetic exchange, when we talk about this etherically, because the freaky woo-woo is so freaky woo-woo, man, it's, it's hard to pin down. It's hard to say what is being exchanged there. And so if we're talking about this idea of loose or whatever, I don't know. I think that everything has a cost, let's say, associated with it, right? There's an energetic exchange, like right here. We're all exchanging energy to have this conversation. And in that, um, some people are going to feel drained. Some people are going to feel lifted and, and all of that. But there, there's always an energetic exchange. And I think the reframing what that means and, and that we're not exclusionary or and damn sure not the top of the food chain would be a good step into sort of seeing that at a bigger picture. So if that all makes sense, that I think perception color, colors everything around here, especially the phenomena, but then also um, that energetically, we're probably all exchanging with everyone. And maybe if we reframe it, we can be a little bit more forgiving of the fact that it exists and also not so butthurt that it exists, but also, you know, reestablish boundaries with it. I think that that's another thing that's very important with this is reestablishing boundaries with whatever the phenomena is and the way energetically it comes at you if it comes at you scary now preston's having a great time with it dolly's having a great time with it there are some people who don't need to reframe their relationship but maybe if you aren't reframing it be a good way to go that's uh, kind of what i think about all that so yeah yeah there you go just like preston brandon never disappoints when it comes to a, to a good answer awesome yeah so preston when you talk to art You've talked about uh, some kind of noise before or while, the OBE. Do you have any idea where this sound comes from? I'm having flashbacks right now when I, when I, when I, when I think about that, because I believe it's all about frequencies. Everything is about frequencies. Every single phenomena in the world is about frequencies, whether it's UFOs, ghost apparitions, stuff like that, even maybe Bigfoots and, and all that stuff. It's all about frequencies and perception, of course. What is your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the third dimension vibrates at its frequency, whereas each dimension has its own frequency. And it's clear that that vibrates quite a bit higher or has a higher frequency. And when you travel out of body, it's a process of relaxing and your your physical body, your mind. And then at some point you start to feel what's called the vibratory state. 
And that's a term that people use to describe when you're actually lifting out and you start to feel that higher dimension. And it feels like an electric shock, honestly. It can feel like water rushing through your body. Um, it can just an enormous amount of energy coming into you. And basically what's happening there is you are shifting from the third dimension into the fourth or fifth or what have you. And there's all kinds of things that happen at that point. You might feel vertigo, dizziness, you might feel a lot of heaviness or lightness or numbness or movement, but absolutely noise as well. Um, these are called exit distractions. And it can sound like the roar of a jet airplane or a leaf blower. Or you might even hear voices or cursing even, or just all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, perception does play a big role in everything about this. A person's belief system, we perceive reality through the lens of our belief system. And, and that manifests very strongly in the out-of-body experience because thought rules on the astral planes. If you think it, it can manifest right in front of you, especially in certain dimensions. Everything you think, boom, it's there. So there's a lot going on, especially when you're a beginner at this. It's hard to sort out. Uh, but now, you know, once you get good at it, you can bypass all the vibratory state and all the exit distractions and the noises and the vertigo. And just you just slip right out because it is a natural thing. This is something we do all do. And I just want to backtrack a little bit about, you know, so-called dangers, because people talk about this saying, oh, you could get lost. You could get possessed. You could go too far out and not come back. Uh, all these sort of things. And I'm like, no, no, no. Again, we're it's as safe as sleeping. We all have spirit guides who watch over us. It's an absolutely natural thing. The only real danger is you might encounter what I would call hostile entities, hostile spirits. But then you can just go right back into your body and they can't touch you. You're not physical when you're on the other side. So nothing can really hurt you. It's hard to get through your head when you see stuff coming at you. When you're out of body, you're like, oh, I need to run. But no, you're, you're, you're fine. And yeah, you can hear, I mean, music on the other side has a, oh gosh, a vibrancy to it, uh, a surround sound kind of aspect, an absolute depth that's you just can't experience here. And that's true with all senses, vision and feeling. I've, everything is heightened there, I think would be a good way of putting it. Since you it's told like a hyper, oh sorry, hypersensitivity in a psychedelic state, so you get this hypersensitivity. I want to ask you about the vertigo real quick. Um, now I've had this where I'll lay down and then all of a sudden I get real, real like dizzy, like my eyes are rolling in the back of my or crossing. Does that make sense? Is this part of it? Was I almost astral traveling and it just didn't and backed out? Yep. Because I got dizzy. Hundred percent. Yep. <laughs> okay. So what do I need to do to um, step over that line? How do I cross that threshold? Um, simply relax, let go, let go of all your fear, really intend to do it. So you focus on say when that's happening, just re completely let go and relax and be okay with it. You're going to be fine. This universe is a safe place. 
yeah, we can experience pain and all sorts of misery, especially if we latch onto it and focus on it. But ultimately, we're immortal beings. We're a part of this universe. We have all the power of the universe inside of us. It's indivisible. We are all one. It's funny when you mentioned, you know, because going out of body and coming back, you suddenly feel an incredible connection and you lose a little bit of your individuality. Not really, but you can sense. I mean, you become so empathetic. You feel what other people are feeling. You absolutely kind of, I mean, I don't know how to describe it, but you, you feel that interconnectedness between everyone to the point where if someone feels pain, you might not feel it physically, but you can certainly feel it. Uh, and you recognize that individuality is, to a certain extent, an illusion. It's not. I mean, you're always going to be you. Uh, an entity is an inviolable thing. You are you. But we are so much more connected than people realize. Uh, I'm getting off a little bit on tangents here. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. I, I did want to ask, if you wanted, if you had more tangent, please continue it. But I have another question for you before Daniel does. Sure. Oh, uh, then um, I've heard cases and just, and I'm going to preface this by something I'm reading in a book right now by a guy named uh, Joe Marshalla, and it's a book called Repeatlessness. Have you all ever heard of it? I found it in just half-price bookstore, just a random, anyway. So Joe Marshalla, Repeatlessness. Highly recommend this book. It's fantastic. And one of the things he says about fear of the, un, or about fear in general is, is a quote from some yogi that he'd uh, studied under. And so before I ask my question, um, fear of the unknown is ridiculous because you can't know what that is. You don't have a fear to compare it to, right? You don't have a thing to compare it to fear-wise. What you're really afraid of is leaving the known, right? And so phrasing it that way is a fascinating way to sort of look at inviting yourself into participate into a world that has mixed feelings as far as experiences go, right? Because I've had a bad trip psychedelic-wise, and I still took psychedelics after, right? I didn't base it on that one experience. Some people may have a challenging experience in these contact phenomena um, but or out astral body or anything else, but then it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a sweeping thing and then should therefore be ubiquity for anybody because, again, it's all perception, right? Um, to the question then. I've heard people talk about that when you go out of body, you do run a risk. And again, I'm, I'm going to say that this is just a perception and then ask what you think about this. You do run a risk of somebody coming into your body and that the idea of spirit guides standing there and protecting is only as good as your belief in them. And if you have no, and, and so it gets very colored by you need to establish a bunch of things before you even hop out, which is fascinating that you say that we all do it naturally anyway with no sort of establishment on this, right? So the idea goes is that you can have your body inhabited while you're out of it, and then you're just stuck in some sort of place Second part to that question, some people who travel to certain areas, even remote viewers, say that they're blocked from going somewhere. But in an astral body, I've heard that you, when you go to Area 51, has been the bigger bigger one that people travel to. So when you go to Area 51, you're either turned away and it's blocked, right? No, they, Nobody can go there. Or you can get in, but your soul gets trapped there in some tube, and they have soul-trapped tubes that they hang on to, and then they send somebody back to run your body for you. What, what do you think of all that, Preston? Because, again, I know that's very fear-based. It's part of the conversation. So what do you think? Yeah, well, I'm glad you said that, <laughs> fear-based, because that is exactly true. Uh, the best thing anyone can do on this planet is to let go of fear, overcome fear. And this is one of the things that stops people from having out-of-body experiences. This plain and simple fear. If you can overcome all of those 
so-called deadly sins, you know, fear and lust and greed and anger, uh, you will have a much easier time with this. You can go to Area 51. I did it. I know other people who have done it. So you can do this. There are places that are very difficult to get to that you might perhaps not be at the level of being able to do it. The very higher, higher planes vibrate, and I'm not sure if that's the best word, but uh, vibrate at such a high frequency that unless you are evolved, you're not going to have an easy time of it. You know, when I went up to the Akashic Records, I had a very difficult time of maintaining consciousness because it was just a, a lot of energy for me to sustain. Uh, but no, you cannot be possessed. And let me let me explain this because, I, and I said it earlier, as an entity, you are inviolable. You are who you are. Uh, possession is a real thing, but it's not looked. I don't. I don't think it's being explained fully accurately because you're not being taken over by another entity there's someone who's basically attacking you yes but when you go out again we all go out of body every night but going out of body is a, a misnomer because what you're basically doing is you're expanding yourself into your higher dimensions you are never actually truly leaving your body <laughs> It just you're shunning the limitations. Like yeah, you're shunning the limitations. I love it. Okay. It's yeah. a great way to phrase it, Preston. And uh, so the dangers of this are just way overblown. And like I said, I've scoured the literature. I've studied this. I've done this over and over again. You do have spirit guides. Whether you believe it or not, your beliefs have no effect on the truth. Truth is the truth. Uh, we, do, we don't make our reality as some channelers have said reality is what it is we certainly have an effect on it but there is an absolute independent third dimensional structure out there a tree is a tree you know and it, when it falls in the forest it makes a sound whether you're there or not uh so there's some fuzzy thinking going on in my opinion this is just my opinion based on my experiences and what i've read but no, there's no dangers of being possessed. I don't. I couldn't find any examples of that in the literature at all. None. I could. You can't stay out too long because you will be pulled pulled back. You have a silver cord that connects you to your physical body. It's an energetic thing, and the real difficulty is staying out. Because if there's any emotional overload, any sense of danger, if you even so much as think about your body, you are pulled back. And we, yeah, we all have spirit guides around us who are part of this, uh, protecting you, watching over you, whether you believe it or not. And when you, you know, it's hard to explain this to people who haven't done it, because once you do it, you, all of this becomes immediately clear. You see it. You meet your spirit guides. You will meet enlightened masters. You may encounter hostile entities, but uh, it's very much like you would if you had met someone who's unpleasant on earth. You're like, you know what? I'm not dealing with you. And you can simply sever the contact with them. But yeah, I found no evidence that's at all compelling that you can get stuck or put you know 
there are places that do appear to be protected by, you know, with people have tried to get into certain areas of that they can't get to. So is it, it is possible there's something along those lines. And I found it very unpleasant to be in Area 51 when I went there, and I did have a guide. So I don't know that it's possible to capture someone's soul. I, I really don't think so. There is a book that I got not too long ago which where a lady felt she was being prevented from going back into her body. But she escaped it. She and she's writing about it in her book. Uh, and I, you know, there's not a whole lot of people who are writing books about advanced astral travel. But I don't see any cases of someone who's written about this and then suddenly die in their sleep at, at a young age because, or you know what I mean? How would we know if someone got trapped and weren't able to get back? We wouldn't know. But That's I don't see question, any yeah. examples of it. And I can't emphasize this enough. All the research I've done on this shows incredible benefits to astral projection. Because we're unconscious for a third of our lives in sleep. Right off the bat, if you can do this, you're increasing your Earth experience by one third. Not only that, the, the adventures are unbelievable. <laughs> Flying and visiting deceased loved ones and going to healing temples and learning centers. So you also get to know your life path, the reason you came down to Earth. That becomes very clear. You get to learn all about your past lives and overcome all the trauma you've carried over lifetime after lifetime. You accelerate your psychic abilities to an unbelievable extent where you start becoming super aware. Uh, there's so many benefits. I already mentioned healing, but just the knowledge that death is a lie alone is worth doing this because that is the guiding force of our lives. Fear is. And if you can do this, then you overcome that fear and you know, you don't believe, you know, there is life after death. You have one really good out of body experience and you know, that's all it takes. And it will change everything about how you perceive life on earth. Uh, so, I mean, I just cannot underline enough a wonderful, beautiful, transformative healing and um, learning it is to to do this. I mean, <laughs> I just can't emphasize that enough. It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Everyone should try it. You know, don't believe me. Do it yourself and you will see. I've been asking a ton of questions, but I have another one. But Daniel, did you have something you wanted to ask? Uh, go on, Brendan. I have a lot, no, a lot of questions about going. I've been stepping on your like every three questions here you've had. I just think this is so fascinating, as you do. I know. Um, okay, it has to do with uh, why would you ever come back? Like yeah. out there in the astral, you can fly, you can create whatever you want, you can zoom pictures, you're healing trauma, like everything goes away. What if you just chose to stay out? And what if, like, let's say that maybe some people do choose to stay out. They tag in a walk-in. And they're like, hey, dude, I'm I'm done with this Earth experience. I think I've got enough in. I had Sheila Seppi on the show. She's fascinating. She's a walk-in experience, and she's 100% mission now, and it's just an incredible story. But then, like that, like I said, that question, because maybe that, maybe if I hop over to the other side and go, hang on, I don't have to deal with the Democrat-Republican thing anymore. I don't have to deal with, like, any of this nonsense anymore. Fleas aren't there. Child cancer, like, none of that shit's there. I'll just create a world like that in the fourth dimension or in my astral body and just live there. Is that possible? Um, good luck. 
<laughs> I, I wish you all the best in trying it out. Look into the near-death experiences. And people always say, oh, you want to go, I want to go. And they always say, no, it's not your time. You have a, a job to do. You have a mission to fulfill. You've got things to learn. And you are sent back. And it's the same with the out-of-body experience. I've looked into walk-ins, by the way. I've talked to Sheila. I've talked to many other people. And I'm not convinced that it's a completely separate person. It's an aspect of themselves, a higher aspect of themselves that they are coming down. This is my opinion. She calls it are, an aspect. She calls it an aspect yeah. as well. It's good. Yep. So it's not quite how people are thinking about it who you know haven't really researched it, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is something... I'm like I said, we all do this and you may want to stay out there. Yes. I've certainly experienced that. I'm like, gosh, this is so nice. Why would I ever want to go away? Um, I got distracted there for a second. Um, yeah, you may feel like, wow, this is great. I want to stay, but you can't because you are pulled back and you chose to come down here on earth. And once you start having these experiences, you realize immediately, well, I'm going to be there short, shortly. Life on Earth is not that long. We're immortal beings. And what we can do down here is extremely valuable. There is a long waiting list of people wanting to come down and do the 3D adventure. Robert Monroe talked about this in his books. I love his books. He said, people who graduate from the Earth School are highly respected on the higher dimensions. And I had to laugh when I heard that because Earth School is tough. It is not easy to be here. And we learn so much by coming down here. There are things we learn and experience that you simply cannot experience on the other side. So, no, I don't think there's any danger of that. You certainly might want to because it's so, so, so awesome. That. That's the thing. If there's a whole line and a queue of people, and somebody had to have gotten, and you hear this though in the contact or in the walk-in phenomena, as people say that they got to a point in their life, as Sheila says, where it was just her body was beaten up, she mentally couldn't handle it anymore, and she asked for somebody to take over, and somebody took over. So that's the thing. Is if while you're out there, I was wondering if you ever got solicited by another soul that wants to hop in and take Preston Dennett for a ride, and then said, "Hey, man, I'll take over for you if you want, dog." You know, like um. Like, I don't know, like those kids selling uh, gum in Mexico. They're all like, hey, 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 you want me to, you want me to, you know, chicle, chicle, you want me to hop in your body for you? You've never been approached by anybody saying, hey, I'll take the ride. Okay. <laughs> it's interesting that other people kind of report that. And, but, well, but maybe you've never been to a point where you've just been like suicidal or thought, I just want to fucking phone this thing in and I'm done. You know, because that's usually when you hear those those accounts is when people say they were just finished with it. They just couldn't do it anymore and they begged well, to be. My first OBE, I was profoundly depressed when it happened. See, my mom, you know, my mom, had, yeah, my mom had passed on a few years earlier, which was one of my motivations really for doing it. But, you know, I was having a hard time. I was pretty young. I was, you know, in my early 20s and still living at home and just kind of lost in the world with my belief system had been shattered by finding out UFOs were real. And so all of this, you know, I couldn't get out of body, even though I was trying for a month or two. I had a lot of questions about life, and that's when it happened. And it ended up to be hugely healing. And I will tell you, after having done this for a while, I started to explore the very low realms, what we would call the hellish realms. And they're 
mm, they're not good. It's heinous. It's dastardly. It's filled with evil and despair and anger and unhappy, frustration, frustrated people. And I mean, at one point I was attacked by what you would call demons, no doubt. And they couldn't touch me. And that made them furious. And they had the whole, you know, pig-like evil faces and just your classic demonic face. And they were snarling and growling and losing their minds. And I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> this is not good. I don't want to be here any longer because it's just not an easy place to be. And I have stayed out very, very long to a point where like it started to feel incredibly real. This is on a higher realm. And I'm like, gosh, you know, if I stay here much longer, I'm probably going to stay here. <laughs> and I pulled back. And I think the more advanced you get, you possibly do have that ability to choose. Uh, I don't know for sure about that. Uh, there are near-death experiencers who've been thrown onto the other dimension and basically told, you do have a choice. You can leave or you can stay. So, you know, obviously the ones we hear about are people who've chosen to come back. Right, right. That's but, the thing is, why people, would you hear you know, about any of the other die. So, yeah. you know, you might, a lot of these people who passed on and whatever, drug overdoses or car accidents or falls or, you know, violent crime, might have had a very profound near-death experience and been given that choice and said, you know what? <laughs> I'm staying on the other side. Well, but this the is one what we I think hear about. Yeah. Especially the people who come back speaking a whole new language or play drums and they've never played drums a day in their life. Or they come back and they play piano and they've never played piano ever. Or they, like I said, speak amazing? four different languages. But that's the thing is, did, did they get an upgrade and that's just an alteration to them? Or did somebody choose a swapsies on the other side? Some no, Italian no, no, no. dude steps in no. and is like, hey, I got this. You know, he's a composer, speaks Italian. Now all of a sudden your grandma is crushing it at all those things because she shows to tap out. And, you know, homeboy hopped in. I don't know. No, this, this, speaks, this speaks to, because you know, the when you have an autobot experience, you are connected to all that is, the all mind, the entire universe. And your past life, if you go out of body more than two or three times, dollars to donuts, this is going to happen to you. You, Your past lives are going to come roaring back at you. And all those talents that you've learned over the centuries are there. You can tap into it. And that will include art and music and construction and you know being able to talk to people or politics or economics, whatever, because we all have past lives. It's all going on all at once. We're always continually learning. So when someone comes back and starts displaying all these talents, it's not because they traded souls or invited someone else in. They've expanded their own identity to who they are. And again, we're all connected. So, I mean, it's that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, we yeah, are yeah. able to learn whatever we want, and you can tap into it. And if you people who come back with all these unbelievable talents is not someone else coming in at them, and you can see this with people who are you know child prodigies who are suddenly playing the piano at age three. <laughs> How did that happen? you know, are super intelligent or just excelling in whatever field they're excelling in. 
And there's many cases of people who have a head injury, boom, and now they're playing piano or they're mathematicians or like they said, speaking a different language. Uh, this is all you. It's not another person coming in. It's you. You are much more than you realize. Think of it this way. You are at the apex. You are the point that is exploring the third dimension. But right behind you and surrounding you and all around you are hundreds of your past lives. And each one influences you. So, And if you, if you focus on a certain area of interest or expertise, zoom, that person comes in and assists. Uh, we are all... You know, identity is the word I'm looking for. Identity is not what people think it is. It's much more fluid. You've you've mentioned near-death experiences. That's interesting. Um, I do think, and please correct me on that, while you can interact uh, while having an OBE, you can interact, you can uh, do whatever you want. And your death experience, uh, with, all I've, with all I've heard so far, is more like a movie. It plays like a movie. It's 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 a scene. You 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 you're observing a scene, something that's happening to you, and you can't interact. Right? Am I right there? Or mm. there are a few subtle differences between a near death experience and an out of body experience. Generally speaking, and I haven't had a near death experience, but I've certainly interviewed a lot of people. When someone has a near-death experience, they are propelled out of their body through trauma. And sometimes there does seem to be a, a weirdly guided aspect to it. Like this is something that was meant to be because they were on a life path that wasn't being productive. And so you might not even call it an accident. It could have been something that was supposed to happen. And a near-death experience follows a pretty set um, I don't want to say rigid, but to some extent, a rigid structure or a pretty set pattern for someone. It does go out of body, like a core near-death experience, one that contains all the elements, is someone who is pulled out of their body, and then they go down to this tunnel of light. They have a near, uh, a past life review, basically, a life review, I should say, of all the events that they've experienced up to that time, where they feel everything that all the feelings of all the people they've ever affected in any way. And then they meet, go to the other side and will meet perhaps a religious personage, you know, a, a enlightened master. Jesus does come up in these cases, most often deceased relatives. They have that little meeting and basically they're told, you know, you have to go back. Your life mission is not complete. You have to go now. And there's not so much what we see in an out-of-body experience, whereas you get to guide it. You get to do what you want. Uh, and that would be the primary difference. Uh, out-of-body experiences, you get to do what you want and go where you want. And you can go into much higher realms. Because with near-death experiences, they almost always describe a border where they can't cross into the higher realms. And... That is just not there with out-of-body experiences. You can go as far as you are able or want to go. And you can experience everything that person experiences in a near-death experience in terms of, you know, a life review or going visiting the past or even seeing future events, because that does happen with near-death experiences some as well. So in essence, in a nutshell, a near-death experience is a 
a forced out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, you know, people who have near-death experience almost always do have a psychic awakening, as do astral projectors, and will start having regular out-of-body experiences as well. But they're essentially the same thing. It's just one is done through trauma and the other is done through guided um, work. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you think there is a connection, a direct connection between OBEs and other phenomena? For example, hauntings, aliens, maybe even UFOs. Is there a connection or is this perhaps even a way of communicating with, let's say, extraterrestrials or spirits? You've, you've, uh, you've told a very interesting story about meeting loved ones or uh, to... Is there a connection between OBEs and remote viewing, maybe? Stuff like that. Where do you see a connection? Yeah, there are absolute connections between all of these things. Remote viewing, uh, ghosts, hauntings, uh, onboard UFO encounters, all of it are connected in a, a way. Now, there are <laughs> researchers who are lumping this all together saying, well, there's an intelligence that puts on different masks, there's different modalities, and basically a near-death experience and an out-of-body experience and a Bigfoot encounter and a ghost encounter and a UFO encounter are all the same thing. I vehemently disagree. Uh, you can experience all of these, and they are separate things that have interesting commonalities. There are books out there about how close an onboard experience is to a near-death experience and an out-of-body experience. Yeah, there were some interesting commonalities, but they are wholly different. And I've experienced these, so I can tell you this from personal knowledge, as well as from studying it and interviewing people. Uh, when someone, say, has an out-of-body experience, what it does is wake up their psychic abilities. So you might come back and you start seeing ghosts, having what you would call mediumship abilities or having the power of healing or raise your perception to a degree that you can communicate with animals in a, in a way that you couldn't before. Uh, you experience a wide variety. It wakes up psychic abilities across the board. Now, when someone has a near-death experience, the same thing happens. When someone has an onboard experience, the same thing ca can happen and often does. This does not mean they're the same thing. Uh, so there are people who live in haunted houses and never see a darn thing uh, until someone else moves in and then it starts acting up. ETs are very much aware of all of this, have a great understanding of it. And this is one of the reasons I think so many contactees experience a wide variety of psychic abilities because ETs are attracted to those people who have woken up to a degree. That's one of their main Uh, agendas, their goals, is to wake people up because we are wallowing in ignorance and fear on this planet, and it's causing all kinds of problems. Uh, there is a connection between all of these for sure. And here's a case that really spoke to me about this. One guy had a, a pilot had a very close-up encounter with UFOs surrounding his plane. I think this was in uh, Nevada, landed. And he reported it to his superiors. These government guys showed up and wanted to know everything about what he saw. 
And then they asked him a very curious question. They said, have you had any out-of-body experiences since you saw these UFOs? And the pilot was shocked because, yes, he had a very profound out-of-body experience just a few days following this incredible UFO sighting. So what's going on here? <laughs> uh, a UFO sighting, and even a simple encounter, can have a very profound effect on you and wake you up to a certain degree because it makes you consider new ideas. Uh, there's a level of direct contact there. When someone experiences telepathy with ETs, it activates that ability. And so all these natural human talents that have been suppressed and denied and explained away and ignored start bubbling to the surface. And we see this over and over again. Contactee will come back from the experience and poltergeist activity will break out. We'll start seeing shadow people, experiencing mediumship, having out-of-body experiences. So yes, all of these are connected. But in my opinion, they're separate. They're separate things. We have unlimited abilities of what we can do and experience. But to lump them all and say that it's all about us is very anthropocentric. And that never works out, historically speaking. Um, ETs exist without us. You know, they, they are not something we created by any means, nor are ghosts or Bigfoot or anything. Uh, we are, like you said, Brandon, not the top of the food chain. <laughs> There's a lot out there that we are just beginning to understand. I just say this because I see this with in a school of thought in ufology. And you know, this all these people who are sick reporting ETs, that's not ETs. Yes, it is. It is ETs. ETs are real. There are people out there just like us. And when someone sees a Bigfoot, that's a Bigfoot. When someone's having a near-death experience, it follows a very set pattern, as does an onboard encounter, as does a haunting, whether it's or an angelic encounter or a demonic haunting. These are all separate things. And it irks me and it frustrates me when people are saying, well, you know, it's a phenomenon that wears different masks. Where's your proof? Where's your evidence? Show me the first-hand cases that support that theory. Uh, and it, the evidence is just not there to support that. So I'm very passionate about this particular aspect because I, I keep seeing it. And, I, and it's frustrating to me that people who are very educated about UFOs and paranormal phenomena are going there. I don't understand the resistance to the idea of life after death or extraterrestrials or all the things we're seeing all the time around us. Hmm. It makes me think of psychedelics. It makes me think of the, when you mentioned the Bigfoot, UFO, paranormal, everything's a different thing. It makes me think of that uh, I have a different experience on LSD than acid that, or than uh, mushrooms than I did on DMT than I did on ayahuasca. But they each provided some psychedelic, you know, it's a hallucinogenic experience, some really trippy, amazing, life-changing, life-altering thing, even though they wore different masks, you know, it was like the same experience from a different teacher, you know. Um, it, it's challenging to explain, but that's the only real context I have for what you're talking about. And it just seems interesting to phrase it that way. Like when you go out into the woods, you take the Bigfoot mushroom, and then that's when you encounter those beings. When you take DMT, maybe you're hanging out with poltergeist activity or encountering the machine elves and stuff like that. So it's it's sort of an interesting thing. And then 
all of this and and the fact that this is so perception based, which we all agree with, it brings me back to sort of the androgynous DMT that's within all of us that can be the mask that we talk about that manifests anything you want because it can do that. It it's what's released at your time of death. It's what is found in all living creatures that is able to possess this sort of sentience, but also sort of this altered perception on their reality that suits them in a way that's fascinating. So again, I, I think it's I think it's really, really interesting. And especially when we take the concept of out there and we really shrink it down to in here, again, this as above, so below is more conceptual. It's more like the processes involved rather than the actual uh, you know, logistics or whatever. Um, but whenever you take it from there, then you start talking about these microscopic organisms that they found in you in the form of bacteria that run your body. You're not really one body, right? You're these you know, on a physical level. You're really like 75 trillion things all operating to keep you moving and, ex and writing UFO books and talking about UFO books and all that kind of stuff. Right. So from that perspective, you're a shit little little entity sort of Voltron controlling this this big ass robot thing you're driving around this meat suit. And then from that perspective, you again go into the microscopic organism pictures, photos taken of these entities really is what they are. And they look like what's described as angels, you know, with these all these feathers and these eyes on the end of feathers and things, these multiple feathered beings as, as opposed to like the body with a set of wings like Archangel from X-Men. They look like, you know, the biblical sort of like wheel within a wheel type shit. And all of these tiny little creatures are within you. I think they found like Wendigos and Chupacabras and all sorts of little tiny bacteria that then if you think about it then you're maybe just projecting out into your world that, to then have that experience through your androgynous dmt i don't know man well, the whole thing is fascinating fascinating and interesting i think part of the, the the thing about being human is we're all on a long arduous pathway towards full self-realization and enlightenment and each of us have to basically overcome our belief system whatever it is that we've been programmed to believe and you can see this when some when you're trying to have an out-of-body experience and you basically are having a lucid dream. And a lucid dream, you are fully aware and you are out of body, but everything around you is your belief system. It's a hallucination. It's a dream. It's something you are projecting. And when you break through that, then you start to see reality for what it is. There is an objective reality outside of us. And while we are absolutely intrinsically connected to it, and individuality is, you know, a tricky concept, uh, this is something we all have to eventually overcome, is delusion. Thought itself is in a, partly a delusion, because we, we want to label everything and call it what it is, and then now we know. No, the second you think you know anything, you're going to, something else is going to come along and knock you right over and you realize, well, you know, I didn't, I don't know everything. So it's a process of waking up and moving past delusion. I can't, yeah, I would definitely underline that. We all have to really work on obtaining experiential knowledge and move past belief to knowing what we know know all is knowable, as Dolly often says, and then proceed. Uh, and that's good advice, because people are doing a lot of fuzzy thinking, they're basing all of their knowledge on pure beliefs that aren't supported by actual firsthand knowledge. Mm -hmm. Beliefs are all well and good. I mean, and they can help you and it's a ladder towards understanding. 
but ultimately only experience, only firsthand knowledge will lead you to truth. And we are all tasked with doing that. Uh, at some point, we will all evolve to have fuller understanding of who we are and our place in this universe. But it, it takes a lot of work to move past the fear and the greed and the anger and the laziness and the lust and all the things that are holding us back until you can absolutely break through these belief systems that are coloring your experience and distorting reality. Uh, and meditation is the key to doing it. Absolutely, just meditate, meditate, meditate. It's the one thing that's true in every spiritual discipline, every religion. They all agree on at least that, meditation and prayer. Uh, so that is something I think our world definitely needs more of. People need to just start meditating five minutes a day and paying very close attention, not only to everything around you, very critically watch everything, but inside you, follow every darn thought you have. Where is this coming from? Why do I feel this way? What is this emotion? Where? And this is how you start to progress. And if you can do this, you overcome your fears and all these negativity, you will you will start having out-of-body experiences. It will happen. It will un we're all like flowers who are tightly closed buds who are just beginning to open up. So I'm hoping that people tr if, if I could get anyone to take away anything from all of this conversation is just try it. Try astral projection because it's a great, great method to really expand your understanding of yourself and the universe around you. I have the same recommendation for DMT word for word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, those are some great words to end the show, but I have another question. I'm sorry. I want to talk about responsibility for a second. Would it be possible for you to, while you're having an OBE, since you said that you can visit anyone you want, you can visit me, you can see what I'm doing. Is it, is it possible that you can do, do harm to me physically or let's say metaphysically? Could, could you harm me? And where does um, privacy come into this? Oh, also, yeah. Yeah, well, privacy is a bit of an illusion. <laughs> uh, now, now, here's the thing. <laughs> uh, it's, we all have a responsibility to grow ethically, morally, do the right thing. And there is a difference between psychic ability and moral morals and ethics. Uh, they don't necessarily go hand in hand. So you could have people who are downright evil, who are doing things they shouldn't be doing and have developed themselves psychically and are spying and doing you know, horrible things. As far as I know, no, you can't hurt or kill people. Uh, I haven't been, you know, it's hard for me to speak too much on that because I haven't really seen any examples of that. Uh, so I'm going to say no, that that's probably not very likely. What if you accidentally uh, think of somebody and they're in the shower and you didn't mean to, but you totally got to see their titties? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that that happened to me. <laughs> that absolutely happened to me. Did you and see I my titties, more... Preston? Were you thinking about me when I was in the shower? All right. You know, when that happens, you immediately leave. 
if you're a good person, you're like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> uh, and I think what happens is you start to, you know, having these experiences, you grow very quickly, morally and ethically. And if you are a good person and you do the right thing, you will have a much, much, much easier time of it because you will get the help and the guidance you need. Whereas if you're doing this for the wrong reasons, I am so sorry for you because there is such a thing as karma and you will pay every look at what happens to people who have a near-death experience. I talked to one guy who had a near-death experience and he was not a nice person. He self admitted this freely says I was a horrible person. I treated people very badly, had this near-death experience and it nearly killed me. He says he came back from it with this life review where he felt all the harm he did to others. He felt it. He said not only did he feel the harm he did to others, he felt all the harm that those others he hurt did to other people. So there was this incredible rippling effect where he had to face the knowledge of what he did hurting people who hurt others, who hurt others, who hurt others. It goes on and on. So this is what will happen to you if you are doing going down the wrong path. Karma is real. It's very, very important that all of us do what we know to be the right thing. It's not magic rocket science. Uh, we all know what the right thing is. We feel it in our hearts. So no, you don't go spying on people. You don't try to hurt them because that's the wrong thing to do. And you will not progress spiritually. You will come right back into a situation where you are taught very difficult lessons. And I think this is why some people do choose lifetimes that are very difficult and have incredible suffering because they need to learn not to hurt others. And they will learn this the hard way. So I'm not too worried about that. Honestly, I don't think that there are a lot of psychically advanced beings out there who are able to do evil uh, because people who develop these abilities of astral projection and precognition and healing and remote viewing are good people. Uh, and I, I mean, that's, that would be how I would answer that question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I guess that was my question. Uh, if we are morally or ethically accountable, even if you're operating outside our physical bodies and maybe if there's some, um, being or entity that controls this layer of reality and controls what we're doing while we're there. Yeah, but it was an interesting answer. Thank you for that. So I think I think I'm done. I don't know if uh, Brandon still has done. Preston and I've spent hours and out dozens of hours over the past month, and I could talk to you forever, brother. Of course, <laughs> uh, but before we before we roll, I know I have a stack of Preston Dennett books mm -hmm. back here, but um, I do want to point out a couple uh, of his favorite and my favorite, the onboard UFO encounters, as well as. Oh, the wife has the other one. Okay, yeah, my wife has a couple of these. Anyway, Symmetry. If you guys want to check out just a fascinating... You mentioned Dolly earlier. He, he mentioned someone named Dolly and kept moving. But Dolly Saffron is the um, key figure in this book. Her experiences are... Some of them are encapsulated in this work. It's Preston Dennett, so you know you're going to love it. But also, it's a fascinating story. If you've, if you've ever 
enjoyed anything of the sort of what we're talking about here, this is one of the best books on the subject to get. So I know that Preston's going to be linked below, but um, highly recommend if you're new to Preston's work or anything like that. Healing Power of UFOs, always a great one. You, inside UFOs, onboard UFO encounters, like you can't go wrong. But you did mention Dolly earlier, so I do want to throw her and your work about her a shout out. She pilots UFOs, guys. It's, it's an incredible story. Incredible. Mm. Yeah. Just wanted to shout him out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, Preston has some awesome books out there. I will put a link in the description, guys. Yeah, that was a fantastic conversation. I had a lot of fun and I learned a lot. I always learn a lot from you, Preston. Thank you so much for that. My pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. 